started working with a manufacturing facility. They were desperate to reduce their costs. So we put a margin improvement program in, but you could tell at first it was going to be top driven. Hey, we need to reduce costs. It wasn't until we had every individual with their own personal KPI, with their own measure that they were working to reduce that individuals felt ownership and they could come back and share that at the boardwalk and at a, at a performance review. And it just drove a whole different culture in an organization. And they just really embraced the fact that they could drive a change. They could be involved. They had ownership and they got respect for how they helped save the business. It was really quite transformational. And a real lesson for me that it can't just be top-down uh, expected and these bottom-up engagement is critical to our success. Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Welcome to another CI for Life podcast. Today's topic is business transformation. We're going to share five steps for transformational change and share several examples of leaders and businesses that have accomplished a step change in business performance. But first, let's look at the business transformation data. 63% of CEOs are highly engaged in business transformation, so it's an important topic. A little more disturbing, 57% of frontline managers are engaged and only 45% of the frontline employees. And as we'll learn, that stat has to change. The frontline has to be always involved in business transformation. McKinsey reports in 2020, less than 20% of business transformation projects succeed. So the data isn't encouraging. 29% of employees say business transformation fails due to poor communication. A 10% success rate in business transformation when the company doesn't have a holistic business transformation program. So the data tells us three things are necessary for success with business transformation. Number one, senior management is highly engaged and should align with mid-management and frontline efforts. Number two, a high degree of communication. Number three, a holistic business transformation program. So let's look at some examples where business transformation has worked and uh, and they have applied these three principles. Okay, I've asked Chris Payne to join me today to share his journey and examples in business transformation. Chris, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great, Rick. Thanks for having me on the call. Yeah, you bet. Chris is a vice president and business unit leader with RLG International and a good friend. Chris, why don't you share a little bit more about your background with the listeners? Sure, Rick. Um, I grew up in Montreal. I've uh, been working with RLG for 23 years. I have my background in healthcare. My first career was in healthcare. Got itchy feet after about seven, eight years of that and decided to join RLG and do something completely different. I've worked in oil and gas projects, mostly in some manufacturing. I've seen some change initiatives that were very transformational, others that were more incremental and useful, yet did not deliver a step change in performance. So today I'd like to share some insights into my learnings as I've experienced uh, those transformations. Yeah, and that's why I wanted you on today because you've been part of some big transformation stories. And and uh, Chris, if you think about over those 24 years, if I focus on the top five big step change performances, do you mind sharing a little bit about 
kind of the results and maybe the industries and, and a key leader and give us a kind of a macro look at some of the big transformational changes you've been part of. Yeah, love to do that, Rick. So I just chose five of the projects that I've worked with. I've seen significant change. And the, one of them was in a Midwest refinery led by Don Porter and his team. We saw a leap in availability from 85% to 95% over a two-year period. Yeah. And after we left, that uh, availability continued to improve and stayed around 98% for the past few years. That added over a billion dollars to the bottom line of that organization. That's transformational. Good. Okay, what else? Um, in, when I was working in the North Sea, we worked with an asset that was considered to be an old and tired asset with Dave Bayless and his team. After two years of working on optimization, production, cost reductions, uh, drilling excellence, and safety improvements, they were went from worst to first in safety as an organization, and that asset was sold for $4 billion. They had never met their production targets before, and it was really a transformational performance for an asset was considered at the end of its field life. Great. Another good example. Another one, not with the large dollars so much, Rick, but certainly uh, very important uh, for me and for my career was and I worked in a manufacturing facility that was losing a million pounds a month. And that is, you know, when you think of a million pounds, it's that transformational. But this business is going out of business. And the first year we were there, we saved a million pounds a month. And the second year we were there, we added a million pounds a month to the bottom line and turned them from being on the sales block to being a sustainable business and literally 20 years later they're still running and successful. Yeah Chris you live in Houston now but how long were you living over there in Aberdeen? I was in Scotland for 10 years three in central Scotland and seven in Aberdeen. Oh very good yeah and a couple of those stories from there okay next story. When we were in the 2010s uh, we had an opportunity to help uh, a drilling company uh, in the oil and gas offshore world led by Bill Lambros uh, complete a billion dollar turnaround. They had uh, really struggled with uh, planning, executing their capital projects and we built with them a playbook for completing the capital projects in the course of the implementation that followed, helped them uh, deliver the projects on time and on budget, and just had it not done that previously. Yeah, and uh, Bill's a terrific leader. And what strikes me so far from these stories is you had some great leadership and great partnerships uh, that you're working with. Okay, and the last drilling story? The last drilling story was uh, in the Permian, and that was led by Steve Bowman and Kyle Eastman. The cycle time of their drilling programs was reduced by 50% and led to about a quarter billion dollar impact. And it was a significant transformation where the amount of time to drill that well was uh, significantly reduced through engaging people in how to do it better. Mm. I think that's going to be another key too is the engagement of the front line. So fantastic stories, fantastic business results, great leadership. Um, this is the hard part now, Chris. Can you codify these stories into 
if other people and wherever they sit in their organization want to create uh, the culture for business transformation, can you codify it into some of the three or four top learnings? Yes, Rick. I, I would say that the four things that we felt or I've seen that work um, to help move it from an incremental change to a transformational step change, these are the four things. One is a, road, a roadmap for success. Without a vision of excellence and specific strategies and goals to, receive, to re deliver those results, you're not likely to get a step change. So have a roadmap. Secondly, you need to target specific optimization efforts to deliver that vision and change. So improvement processes need to be expected, set out, followed through, and delivered. Thirdly, if you don't make performance visible and have everyone talking about it, uh, you may get incremental change, but the step change comes from everyone having one version of the truth, everyone seeing the leading KPIs and tell me if I'm ahead or behind plan, and everyone knowing how they're moving the, the needle on the lagging KPIs that drive the business results. Uh, the fourth one really that I think is really important is they have to have an engaged workforce. Uh, I've seen too many initiatives that are kind of top-down driven. Hey, this is really important for me as a leader. Uh, the people doing the work, you need to get their hearts and minds and efforts aligned with the goals and objectives to make that transformational change. That fosters ownership and accountability for the results and for the business decisions that are made. So, Chris, just mention a little bit about the leader's role in, in making all that happen. Sure, Rick. Uh, Leaders have a critical role in not only setting expectations and setting a vision, but they need to lead from the front at the beginning and then reinforce them behind throughout the process. In other words, cheering on, supporting, asking great questions, removing barriers, and uh, setting an expectation that this is how we're going to do business going forward. Yeah, one of the things I hope the listeners get out of this podcast, Chris, is that you can lead from anywhere. You don't necessarily have to be the CEO or the EVP that, you know, a team could make these four or five things that you've mentioned happen as they collaborate and work with each other. So that's a great list. Why don't we give the listeners a concrete example of each of the key points so we can bring one, each one alive. Let's start with number one. You mentioned a, a roadmap for success or a vision of excellence. Yeah. Early in my career, I, I was uh, working on projects and I could see that we were trying to do a transformational change, but people didn't know where they're going with the journey. And I learned uh, how important it was to have a roadmap for success. If you don't know where you're going and what good looks like, you're not going to get there. So uh, we built a roadmap um, at every one of these projects. I can remember the drilling organization seeing it up and seeing that people were standing around talking about where they're trying to go and how they're trying to get there. Leaders were setting expectations that we're going to go here, here's the journey. If you're not sure how to take it, we have some people to support you, some coaches and some uh, leaders to support you. So uh, that was at one of the drilling uh, organizations that made one of those transformational changes and allowed us to constantly come back as we worked through it over a couple of years where we were on the journey and could see that, that the steps to take to get there were uh, purposeful, planned, and targeted. Now, Chris, have you, and I think you've, like, pictorially 
Are we talking about in every boardroom and conference room, kind of a diagram showing we're going from X to Y and this is how we're getting there? Or how have you kind of uh, used to communicate that uh, roadmap? Uh, there's been different iterations, Rick. Uh, sometimes we have a chart that has a current state where we are today and mm -hmm. the de desired future state. And then, you know, key milestones along the way to get there. That's very effective. Another one that's been very effective for us is to have the goal statement, the vision statement, what good looks like in two to five years. And then the broad and specific strategies. And then, of course, the uh, sub-strategies and tactics to deliver those uh, strategies to deliver that vision. So there's been different iterations, but there's always at least one major uh, visual of that, and we find that the best way to make people see it, of course, is to have it up in each each boardwalk or each conference area, so that as you're meeting, you can refer back to it. It's it's more of a it, it sits in the room. It's a placeholder for the journey, but initially, it's a driver before the conversations. Yeah, and I think you know, in the business, the research proves this out how important communication and over communication and coming back to that vision and roadmap again and again rather than all right we presented our vision and roadmap we're done let's get on to it so it's a continual process of reviewing and updating uh, that uh, roadmap for success okay let's get on to uh, the second element you mentioned targeted optimization efforts to deliver on that vision and strategies what example do you have there Yes, Rick. Each of those projects I was on had a tremendous amount of optimization, performance improvement work. I'll just take one that I think is quite profound and share that with you. One of the drilling organizations that we were working with had seen the competitors drop their uh, cycle time quite dramatically, but over a five-year period. And they, they were starting at the number that their competitors had started at five years ago. It did not want to take five years to drop their performance to you know to reduce the cycle time uh, that slowly over that period of time. So what we did is we uh, went to each crew, each rig crew, and looked at who performed the best. Realized that some rig crews performed over and over better parts of the drilling cycle or drilling process better, and we captured that and we engaged the leaders to say if we capture best practice, we want your support and reinforcement that we will transfer that to the other crews and ask them to study it, to learn it, to practice it, and, and, and to deliver it. So once they're captured and once we shared them and the other crews grabbed them, they dropped their cycle time by 50% in less than a year and a half, which is just really remarkable if you consider yeah. that other competitors are doing the same thing, but it took them four to five years. To me, that, was, that delivered a quarter billion dollar improvements and you just wouldn't have got it if you'd done it incrementally. You had to go, everyone doing it, everyone aligned, everyone sharing the best practice. It's why standards and uh, processes that are considered to be lean are very important for organizations to use because you can improve upon those. Yeah, and there's a lot in there also about best practices and learnings and uh, every, everybody's trying to be a learning organization, but there's a great example of uh, learning from what each crew or area is doing well and then sharing it. Was those, did that sharing go on in a weekly meeting, in automated databases? How, how did you actually share the best practices across the crews? 
Well, we were fortunate to have guides in the field. So as mm-hmm. we as we uh, interviewed the crews and find out how they operate and found out where what you might call pockets of excellence were, yep. we were then able to go to the the morning meetings or the crew meetings and share with them once a week. Here's some best practices, but we could also go on site and work with the guys and how they actually did that. And more importantly than us doing it, the internal teams were committed. So they started talking to each other and they started to see that if they didn't say, well, we don't do it that way here because we've always done it that way, but we opened themselves up to the learning. They were very, very uh, capable of applying those same practices and getting result from them. Mm, I like that, sharing pockets of excellence. Okay, so near and dear to our heart is RLG years as visible metrics. Uh, give us a, one of your best examples about that. Yeah, I, I'd like to share the example of the North Sea. They, uh, we, we walked into an asset that was a little tired, a little old, considered uh, end of field life. And if you know end of field life work, it's very incremental. You're trying to squeeze the last few right. uh, cubes of, bear, of oil out. You're trying to reduce your costs. What we found was that no one knew if they were doing well or not, so we started to make performance visible. We had dashboards set up. We built a 14-day scorecard to keep track of costs and performance offshore. We had regular business reviews, and basically the teams learned that they had more control of the process and more control of the data and the KPIs than they thought they had. And they started to see that they could make incremental change. That led to, you know, if everyone moved the needle one one percent, you could make massive changes with small changes uh, over and over and over. And we saw that across the field. Um, you could tell that people are seeing data and, and seeing where they're in good shape, but also where they needed help. And one of the benefits of the visible metrics, we had a good leader there, a fellow named Dave Bayless, and he would stand up and say. Where are you ahead? Where are you behind? And what help do you need? And uh, that was just a transformational kind of conversation for these guys because they had usually had the experience of you're behind, we're failing, what the heck's going on? And now they're getting supported with what help do you need because the data was visible. We always make sure the data's trended so you can see if you're headed behind plan. And then it's your job to say what you need to do to close those gaps, ask for help or lean on others who could give you support. Yeah, visual metrics, such an important part of executing on a big transformational vision. Great example, Chris, and I know you got lots of other examples in there on visual metrics, but let's move on to the next part, which is another favorite topic of ours and capturing the hearts and minds of the frontline leaders. Do you mind sharing an example there? Yeah, Rick, I have a lot, but the one that I just love sharing was the one when I moved to Scotland and I started working with uh, these fellows in a manufacturing facility and they were desperate to reduce their costs. So we put a margin improvement program in, but you could tell at first it was going to be top driven. Hey, we need to reduce costs. It wasn't until we had every individual with their own personal KPI, with their own measure that they were working to reduce the amount of wood they're putting in, the amount of glue, reduce the amount of waste, uh, that individuals felt ownership and they could come back and share that at the boardwalk and at a, at a performance review. And it just drove a whole different culture in an organization where, to be honest, they heard my accent, you know, North American accent, 
and they don't suffer fools, the Scots, and they just really embrace the fact that they could drive a change, they could be involved, they had ownership, and they got respect for how they helped save the business. It was really quite transformational, and a real lesson for me that it can't just be top-down uh, expected, and these bottom-up engagement is critical to our success. Wow, you, I mean, that is, the research bears that out, our experience bears that out. Chris, I actually just got a text yesterday from Gary Chrisman reminding me of some of the early work we did in Alaska in 2003. And uh, Gary was reminding me of, you know, the, the mantra that he set up, him and his team then, was let's capture hearts and minds and performance will follow. And certainly that's your example there, and that's been our experience as you get the visual metrics out and then you engage the front line and the solutions uh, can be very powerful and they feel, and you've used this word a couple times, in control of their little business and their destiny. So great point. Let's uh, finish up with your last key around leadership. Yeah, leaders often kind of think that their big role to play is to share a vision and a strategy and let everyone know where we're going. Very important. But the reinforcing, supporting, removing barriers element to that is way more important than having a vision. Well, it's just as important. It's way more supportive and drives the change you want. I can remember when uh, we were in one of the refineries and uh, Don Porter told his people, here's where we're going. Here's why we're going there. I'm on board. I want you on board. Let's go have fun, and I'll see you at the boardwalks. So before we started, he had an expectation that he was going to be there, they would be there, and we were all in this together. Um, I've just one more quick story about Dave Bayless. Please. And he um, he said to me after uh, the transformation we were worked on for about three years, he said, I wish I'd learned in my first five years, what I learned in my last five years of my career about the importance of leading people, supporting them, and building capability. Uh, his, the team that he built, all of his team, those OIMs, went on to excel in various leadership roles around the world, and they all credit him with building the rigor and the discipline because he led powerfully and from the heart. And I think that's really important, right? Yeah, I, you hit on a real point I'd like you to underline it even more Chris and that is you know we we as leaders we think our our responsibility is to share this grandiose vision and direction and then empower our people to do it and yet we forget sometimes the importance of the reinforcement part of it and recognizing and showing interest Chris you know we've been doing this a long time and how many time do team leaders or mid-management or even senior management not ask questions about how their metrics are doing or how their actions and follow up and and uh, almost show no interest in it because it's theirs and uh, not get out in the plants and, and show interest in how the metrics are moving and why the metrics are moving and uh, just showing that follow-up that reinforcement uh, how, what word of advice would you have for leaders on that point to to spend more time on it. Uh, we, we see almost the 80-20 of, you know, let's spend more time on expectations and rewriting policy and uh, getting vision out there and 20% on reinforcement. But I don't know, Chris, what do you think? It should be 50-50? And how do we get leaders of different 
spots in the organization to pick that up more? Any thoughts on that? Sure. Yeah, great question, Rick. First things first is if you don't plan time to be at the front line, you will not get to the front line. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's impossible for people with the busy schedules to say, well, I got to get into the refinery, I got to get into the plant, I got to get onto the rig or the platform. So part of the part of the agenda here is for leaders to understand that part of their job is to go to the workforce work front where the where the value is added and the money is made to ensure that the things that are supposed to be happening are happening. And so I think there's a big role to play in that, but it's not just showing up there, it's being able to ask questions, support the effort, and create a, a culture of, hey, we can do better without it being um, uh, harmful or feeling like uh, you're going to get uh, you know, smoked if you, spoke, you speak up. So when you have an opportunity to talk at a boardwalk or talk at a business view and ask questions, you can make it a safe place for people to say where they need help. And if the frontline knows that the leaders of that organization will support them in the help they need, that help will follow and those results will follow over yeah. and over and over. And it can't be transformational unless you get the reinforcement part or the follow-up part by leaders at the frontline. Well said, Chris. I really appreciate you joining me today. You've shared so many concrete ideas around business transformation. Uh, thank you so much, and have a great day. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate the opportunity. You yeah. as well. Take care. As we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, McKinsey reports that only 20% of business transformations succeed. We've heard from Chris Payne today five examples and four key points of when leaders and organizations align to achieve transformational business performance. Some of the keys that we talked about is senior management vision and roadmaps, and then engaging hearts and minds of frontline workers in that process. Senior management follow-up and reinforcement is critical in engaging hearts and minds, as is some of the business tools that Chris talked about, visual metrics, boardwalks, etc. I would encourage all the listeners today to apply these principles in your business, no matter the size or no matter your position. Be transformative wherever you stand. This has been another Continuous Improvement for Life podcast with Rick Hyland with RLG International. Thanks for spending some of your valuable time with us today. Until next time, live a life of sustainable continuous improvement. Goodbye. Goodbye.